Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the NFL Week 4 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, so to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. It's feeling like hog heaven as much as it possibly could for sports fans these days. We've got the NFL season hitting its stride for the most part, college football picking up steam, and today the NBA Finals, the baseball postseason, even a tennis major with the French Open. So yeah, we've got the pandemic looming, but that doesn't have to rain on our parade. We'll cut to the chase right now because even without Pittsburgh, Tennessee, it's still an action-packed week four board to run through in the NFL, so let's do it from the perspective of some trusted sources. Going in rotation order and kicking it off with Indianapolis at Chicago, current line as I record this Friday morning Pacific time, Colts favored by 2.5, total 43. And on the Matchbook podcast, we had some good crossfire on this one. Adam's best bet, Chicago Moneyline. He says the Colts have faced the easiest opposing pass defenses in the league through three weeks, and their offensive line is highly regarded, but this will be their first real test. Also for Adam, the impact of losing Malik Hooker and Paris Campbell was masked last week when the Colts took on the Jets. He thinks that'll be magnified against better opposition this week. And the Colts' play calling, third lowest pass rate on early downs, he thinks that's tied to their NFL low third down conversion rate. Chicago, meanwhile, on offense, EPA average to above average, both passing and rushing. And I'm going to take issue with a couple components of his handicap here. With the Colts' play calling, I expect more early down passing when they're not in blowout wins like we've seen the last two weeks. And third down conversion rate, that stat tends to be much more noise than signal. So I'd expect positive regression there for the Colts, especially if we see them start to pass more on early downs. And with the Bears, that EPA for their offense... It's also come against a weak schedule. I don't think we can only call out the Colts here. The Bears have been very lucky in two big comeback wins, and they even struggled to put away the Giants in Week 2. And going head-to-head with Adam on the Matchbook podcast, we've got Drew, best bet on the Colts, laying the 2.5. Drew points out the Colts have had an easy schedule, but their pass defense is averaging negative 0.2 expected points per dropback. That's by far the best in the NFL. And Drew also questions the narrative around Nick Foles being an upgrade at quarterback for the Bears. Matt Nagy had four weeks to evaluate his quarterbacks, and he chose Trubisky to start the season. It seemed like Adam did some mental gymnastics trying to refute that claim. And meanwhile, Drew also called out the Bears. Two comebacks have come versus teams who can't run the ball well. Indianapolis can run the ball, and they could use that to their advantage if they need to put away a lead down the stretch. On the Deep Dive podcast, Drew's co-host Andy also weighed in in favor of the Colts, noting they're number one in DVOA so far this season, and that metric factors in the strength of opposition. On the Dream Preview, Steve Fezzik said he's on a parlay, Chicago and the under. He mentions the weather is a factor in this one, temperatures in the mid-50s, 50% chance of rain, 15 mile per hour winds for the Bears hosting a dome team, but I don't see it, those don't exactly sound like bad conditions to me. So overall, I agree with Drew on this one, and I'll be on the Colts. Chicago's the luckiest 3-0 team in my memory, and there's a lot of noise around their quarterback situation. It's difficult to foresee any significant impact for better or worse, but it is easier for me to foresee a significant impact when it comes to the Bears' luck. That is due to regress. Next game on the board, New Orleans at Detroit. 
Saints laying four and a half, total 54. On the Dream Preview, Fezzik and Matt Holt were both on Detroit at plus four, so the number has even gotten better for them since they recorded. Matt Holt's handicap, Detroit's defense is getting healthier, and Drew Brees' arm, a big issue. Fezzik made the same point on the Even Money podcast, calling out Drew Brees' air yards per attempt so far this season, less than five yards. And in the last two years, the lowest number in the league has still been more than six yards. RJ did push back on this one, noting that PFF has Breeze ranked as the number 34 quarterback so far, but QBR puts him at number 6, so the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Fezzik's also on Detroit plus 3 in the first half. He notes the Lions are an average team in the first half under Matt Patricia, but after halftime the wheels fall off, with the Lions getting outscored by an average of 4 points per game in the second half. Up next, Arizona at Carolina. Cardinals laying 3.5 with reduced VIG or 3 with extra VIG, total of 51. Don't have a whole lot to add here. The numbers seem like they're in about the right place, but on the Dream Preview, Fezzik said he's on Carolina because his power ratings only make this game 2.5. Up next, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Current line, Bengals minus 3, total 49. And on the Dream Preview, Matt Holt's best bet is on Jacksonville. Fezzik agrees with the side. Matt's handicap, the narrative doesn't match the stats with Joe Burrow so far this season. Cincinnati last in the NFL, averaging just 4.2 yards per play. Also, Cincinnati, simply not a better team than Jacksonville, and RJ agrees with Matt on that point. Public perception likes the Bengals. They just tied the Eagles in Philadelphia, so that looks relatively impressive, especially compared to the Jaguars coming off a blowout loss on national TV. From Fezzik's standpoint, the Jaguars also in a favorable spot, coming in with extra rest off Thursday night football last week against a Bengals team that just went the distance in Philadelphia, including the full overtime. RJ also has a prop he likes in this game, Joe Mixon, rush yards under. We expect that to come in at about 58, and the handicap here is that Jacksonville's rush defense has been pretty good without much notice. The Jaguars held Derrick Henry to 3.4 yards per carry, Miami's running backs to 2.5 yards per carry, and they limited the Colts to just 88 yards rushing in Week 1, meanwhile Cincinnati struggling to get things going on the ground. And I agree with both the side and the prop here. I think Jacksonville is no worse than the Bengals. They're in a better situation here. And I'm going to go with a split ticket. 80% of the bet on the Jaguars plus the three points. 20% of the bet on the Jaguars money line. I'm also with RJ on the mix and under prop if we see 58 or better. I like the logic and I don't foresee the Bengals needing to run out too much clock down the stretch in this one. Up next, Cleveland at Dallas. Cowboys lying 4.5, total of 56. And on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he's on Cleveland. He's been surprisingly unimpressed by Dallas offensive coordinator Kellen Moore so far this season. A lot of dump-offs to Ezekiel Elliott despite a dynamic wide receiver core. Meanwhile, when Cleveland has the ball, they've got an edge in the ground game against Dallas's porous rush defense. So if the Browns have a lead in the second half, Drew likes their chances of putting it away. And I can see where Drew's coming from here, but I'm a little concerned with what we're seeing from Cleveland. They had a misleading 34-20 final score last week in their win over Washington. They lost yards per play at home to a team quarterback by Dwayne Haskins, and they were plus five in turnovers. I don't think they're going to get that lucky again this week, so I'm going to pass on this one. Moving on to Minnesota at Houston. Texans laying three and a half, total 53 and a half, and on the Dream Preview, this was RJ's best bet on the Texans. Fezzik agrees, and their handicap centers around Kirk Cousins being a creature of habit. His routine was disrupted this week, and also Minnesota being a young team with a good coach magnifies the impact of losing practice time once they had to shut things down after last week's opponent, the Titans, had some positive COVID tests come in. RJ also noted that after home field advantage, this only implies a narrow gap between Houston and Minnesota, while the Texans are clearly the better team in his eyes. 
On the simple handicap, Adams also on Houston. He gave this out as a look-ahead pick via text message last weekend, and he thinks Houston's results are skewed by facing three of the best teams during the first three weeks of the season in the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. Minnesota represents the opposite end of the strength of schedule spectrum for Houston's offense. Look for a breakout performance from Deshaun Watson. And I'm going to agree on the Houston side here. They were minus four or an expensive minus three and a half before the game was pulled off the board on Tuesday. And then we had Minnesota's practice week get disrupted. The line reopened and has since moved in the Vikings' favor. I don't see why that should be happening. And because of that, see some extra value on the Texans. Up next, Seattle at Miami, Seahawks laying six or six and a half, total of 54. And on the dream preview, Fezzik's best bet, Miami plus the six and a half. The Dolphins come in with extra rest off Thursday night football. Meanwhile, Seattle travels across the country. It's going to be hot and humid in Miami on Sunday. And Miami's overall offensive numbers so far this season have been suppressed. Devontae Parker's been playing through injury. He should be a lot healthier come Sunday. On the simple handicap, Adams also on Miami. He sees this as a great spot for the Dolphins. From an injury perspective, Miami should be as healthy as we've seen them all season. Meanwhile, Seattle's injury report reads like a laundry list. And Adam also says the Seahawks' defense has been terrible through three weeks despite their undefeated record. They're struggling in coverage, they're struggling to generate pressure on the quarterback, and Ryan Fitzpatrick has been good from a clean pocket. Offensively, Russell Wilson's playing like an MVP, yet they've got just two narrow wins to show for in the last two weeks against extremely easy opposing secondaries. On the deep dive, Andy and Drew also like Miami if we see this line hit 7. They mentioned Seattle's red zone efficiency. It's going to have to regress because it's at 100% so far this season. And in hindsight, Miami's two losses against the Patriots and the Bills, not looking so bad. I'll add to my position if we see this line hit 7. I don't think it's going to get there, but 6.5 is good enough for me to get involved for now. And you can still find Miami plus 6.5 without too much shopping, but I'm not sure that's going to be the case come Sunday morning. Up next, Chargers at Tampa Bay. Bucks laying 7 at reduced VIG, total of 43. And on the Dream Preview, Fezzik said he's on the Chargers. His power ratings make the line 5.5. And, and the Chargers' conservative nature lends itself to close games. On the Even Money podcast earlier in the week, Fezzik took the Chargers plus 7.5. And, and he and Ross were also on the under at 45. That's a good number on the side and a very good number on the total. The rationale for the total at the time was Tampa's defense playing really well. Since they recorded some Godwin injury news and a lot of market activity have moved that total down, but on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he still likes the under. He thinks it should only be 41, and he likes this matchup for Tampa Bay's defense against Justin Herbert on the road. He's also been unimpressed by the Bucks' offense. Drew sees the Chargers' defense as a step up in class for Tampa Bay, and even without another key cog in Chris Harris, the Chargers have a deep secondary that should help keep the total in check. On the Dream Preview, Dave Esler's best bet was also on the under. He likes it down to 42. He says Tampa Bay's defense, second in the NFL in yards per play, also second in yards per rush attempt, and that puts a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert in his first road start. While on the other side of the ball, Esler's also high on the Chargers' defense. Next up, Baltimore at Washington, Ravens laying two touchdowns, total 45 and a half, and on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he's on Baltimore. He realized this isn't the quote-unquote sharp play, but he's really low on Washington. And on the deep dive, his co-host Andy was in agreement on the Ravens. Quick note, those podcasts were recorded before this line got to 14, so I'm not sure they still back Baltimore at the full two touchdowns, but they could only look that way.
Next game on the board, similar breakdown to the last one, transitioning to the late window on Sunday, the Giants at the Rams. Rams laying 13, total of 48, and on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he's on the Rams, again, realizing it's not the sharp play, but he's really low on the Giants, and Andy on the Deep Dive podcast was in agreement with Drew, both of them on the Rams. Next game on the board, New England at Kansas City. This looks like the marquee matchup of the weekend. Chiefs laying seven at reduced VIG, total 52.5 or 53. And on the Matchbook podcast, Drew said he's on New England. He sees the Patriots' defense as one of the few units in the league that can contain the pocket against Patrick Mahomes. They've also got some speed in the secondary that could help them keep up with Kansas City's speed. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Drew sees it as a favorable matchup for the Patriots' run game. And he also notes Kansas City coming into this one on a short week. On the Dream Preview, RJ likes the Kansas City team total over 30.5. He simply doesn't see the Patriots' defense, or any defense for that matter, being able to slow down the Chiefs' offensive attack enough to keep it under this total, and Fezzik agrees. Up next, Buffalo at Las Vegas. Bills currently laying three with some extra vig, total of 53. And we've got a lot to unpack here. On the Dream Preview, Matt Holt likes Buffalo. He thinks the Bills are even better than their stats would suggest through three weeks. Meanwhile, for the Raiders, missing rugs, Waller not 100%, and Fezzik really agreed with this angle. The Raiders' pass-catching options are so depleted that Hunter Renfro is now the top option. Also on the Dream Preview, Hitman's best bet on the Bills minus three. He cites the Las Vegas cluster injuries at wide receiver and also along their offensive line. On the Matchbook podcast, Rob Pizzola was on Buffalo minus two and a half with extra vig. He got a really good number. They recorded this before the line hit three. And Rob sees edges on both sides of the ball for Buffalo. Las Vegas on defense, vulnerable at all three levels. They've got a horrible secondary. Their best PFF player rank for the position is 53rd. And the Raiders are also shorthanded at linebacker. Also up front, 3.2% adjusted sack rate. That's the second lowest in the league. The Bills can exploit this with Brian Dable continuing to make some optimal play calls and Stephon Diggs continuing to make an immediate impact on the offense. On the other side of the ball, Raiders offense, Trent Brown should be limited if he plays. He hasn't practiced through Thursday, and Buffalo has a good defensive line that can take advantage. But it wasn't unanimous in favor of the Bills. On the simple handicap, Adam mentioned the Raiders have faced a more difficult schedule through three weeks. Meanwhile, the stats between the Raiders and Bills are comparable when you look at EPA and success rate, so Adam implied a strong preference for the Raiders. Moving on to Sunday Night Football, Philadelphia at San Francisco, Niners laying a touchdown with some extra vig, total of 46, and on the Matchbook podcast, Rob's best bet was on the Niners laying the touchdown. He's fading Philadelphia without a ton of their top receiving options, and their offensive line also being a mess. Rob also likes the job Kyle Shanahan's doing, coaching the 49ers extremely well despite the rash of injuries they've suffered on their own end. On the Deep Dive podcast, Drew and Andy like the San Francisco team total over 26. I haven't seen that number yet, but you can find a 26.5. I presume they still like it there, so long as you get 27 as a win number. The guys like that George Kittle should be back, and Philadelphia is in a bad spot, traveling across the country with a late body clock kickoff. And up next, the Monday night football game, Atlanta at Green Bay, Packers laying 7, total 57. On the Dream Preview, Matt Holt said he likes Atlanta, calling out Green Bay being last in yards per play allowed, and I take that number with a big grain of salt because the Packers are 3-0 with an average margin of victory of more than 12 points, so that tells me they've allowed a lot of empty yards and garbage time. Fezzik also pushed back, saying Green Bay might be the least affected team in the league when it comes to home field advantage without fans. There's a slick playing surface at Lambeau Field, and that might be a magnified factor against a dome team. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik also mentioned he's teasing Green Bay 
with Kansas City didn't share too much of a handicap. Presumably it's the superior home team coming down through three. And I also like the Packers as a teaser candidate, but I'll find a different second leg. We'll get to that shortly when we break down what we're betting. But first, we've made it through the week four board. That calls for a beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. And this week we're drinking Monterey Street Pale Ale by Central Coast Brewing in San Luis Obispo, California. This selection's inspired by a quick getaway I made with my wife to California's Central Coast earlier this week. Drinking local, always a good option, and that's especially the case when you're anywhere near California's Central Coast. Monterey Street comes in at 5.5% ABV, and it pours a translucent golden orange. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops, if you want to take a look at it. When it comes to the aroma and flavor, citrusy and tropical with a restrained malt backbone, the mouthfeel light and crisp. Overall, this beer is low in ABV, but it's not lacking in anything else. Monterey Street Pale Ale is a two-time gold medal winner and a silver medal winner at the Great American Beer Festival. That's essentially the Super Bowl of craft beer, so we know it's great. It's also affordable and accessible throughout California with beer shipping via Central Coast Brewing's website. And speaking of accessible and worth the price, let's shift gears and break down what we're betting. 60% of the time, it works every time. Going to lay the two and a half points and take the Colts at Chicago following Drew's lead. It's difficult to foresee any significant impact with the Bears quarterback change, but it is easier to foresee significant impact with the Bears luck regressing heavily sooner rather than later. Also going to follow Matt Holt, Steve Fezzik's lead with a twist, going with a split ticket, 80% of the bet on Jacksonville plus three at Cincinnati, 20% of that bet on the Jaguars' money line, I like that at plus 135 or better, basically boils down to the Jags not being any worse than the Bengals, and they're the much better rested team in this spot. Also going to follow the lead of Adam and RJ, taking the Texans minus 3.5, hosting Minnesota. Houston's strength of schedule has produced some misleading results in the early going this season, and the Vikings had a pretty significant disruption to their practice week. Lastly, as far as the sides go in Week 4, following Fezzik's and Adams' lead, taking the Dolphins plus 6.5, rest, weather, health, all pointing in Miami's favor. I also like a teaser this week, going to take the Bucks minus 1 at home against the Chargers, with the Packers minus 1 at home against the Falcons. In both cases, we've got clearly superior teams at home needing to do little more than win outright. And as far as Tampa Bay goes, we've got an aggressive approach from Bruce Arians against a conservative approach from Anthony Lynn, plus... Tom Brady knows how to win games. The Chargers surely know how to lose games. I defy the Chargers to buck this trend this weekend in Tampa Bay. And for the Packers, not only are they the superior team at home needing little more than the outright win, but they've got the advantage of a slick playing surface at Lambeau Field. Look for that to possibly get magnified against a dome team in the Falcons. And putting the props in props and hops. Going to follow RJ's lead, looking at Joe Mixon under rush yards. Probably going to open about 58. I like it down to 55. Jacksonville's rush defense has low-key been pretty good to start the season, and of course the Bengals' rush offense has been struggling. And since I like Jacksonville to compete, if not win the game outright, I think it's unlikely the Bengals will be running out clock for an extended stretch in the fourth quarter. I'm also going to go back to the well and take Cleveland-Dallas' shortest touchdown under 1.5 yards. I like this one up to minus 170. We saw it come through in Week 2, Atlanta-Dallas. Cowboys scored three touchdowns from the one. Last week, Dallas at Seattle 
Seattle, the game had four one-yard touchdowns. It just takes one of those to cash again, and Dallas is especially dangerous from the one with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. I also see this bet as a way to get in play against a larger trend taking place. The totals market has been trying really hard to catch up with record scoring in the NFL through three weeks. I think that market might still be lagging behind, and the price for this prop is lagging even farther behind. We're seeing more points, that means more touchdowns, and that translates to a greater probability of seeing more touchdowns from the one-yard line. I expect to see at least one of those on Sunday in Dallas. And last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. Today's words from David Malinsky, game on. Those words came to me in a text message from Dave as Super Bowl 52 was kicking off between the Patriots and Eagles, and it was accompanied by a photo of a beer I'd sent him from a recent trip to Portland. Game on applies in just about every possible sense today, as we've got the first Friday of baseball's postseason. That was typically Dave's favorite sports day of the year, and that's because usually it's filled with wall-to-wall division round games. That's a little different this year with baseball's expanded playoff format, but we've still got postseason baseball today, plus the NBA Finals, plus the French Open. That's unprecedented, and as scheduled for the most part this weekend, we've got college football and the NFL. So if only we could get a special Friday edition of Point Blank today, I know Dave would be having a field day, but I think we should be having a field day too. We endured no sports for months, so let's savor this and hope it's the only time it ever happens. Alright, that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. Now let's get out there and enjoy the unprecedented embarrassment of riches this weekend across the sports landscape. Of course, that includes Week 4 in the NFL. We'll be back at it next Friday to break down Week 5. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well.